0: I went to try it open and when I kicked the door in, next thing you know was all you seen was my brother and he was slumped over on the couch. And I'm blood just coming from everywhere, from his mouth, nose, ears, eyes. And he had throw up all on his shirt as if he had gurgitated or something. So I'm like, I'm panicking and I'm shaking him. And I mean, I could have picked him up with one hand. He was stiff like a mummy.
1: You're listening to River City Mystery Podcast, the show that delves into the Evansville and surrounding tri-state areas mysteries, including unsolved crimes, murders, and disappearances, a show that isn't afraid to jump down the rabbit hole to investigate reports of local hauntings, sightings of UFOs and cryptids, among other paranormal phenomena, with your host, co-founder of the Humans of Evansville Facebook page, law office worker by day, insomniac researcher of the unknown by night, Matt Dyge. Welcome to episode 13. We're going to be talking about the murder of 50-year-old Troy Dwayne Smith, who was shot in the back of his head while he sat in his own couch in his own apartment on the 500 block of South New York Avenue in Evansville, Indiana, on May 24th, 2020. His brother, Teron, found his body. By all accounts, Troy was a nice, quiet guy, He had studied mechanical engineering at ITT Technical Institute and was working at Tri-State Resource Recovery. Initially, this case was classified as an overdose, so there was really no investigation into, you know, a murder for several weeks. Once a coroner and the detectives figure out that he was actually shot in the head, several weeks had passed. A reporter noticed that there was a discrepancy in the police reportings of homicides and questioned the police about the discrepancy. And that's when it came forward that Troy was actually a homicide victim versus uh, natural causes or overdose. And the case just kind of slipped through the cracks as far as the media went. And it's just, it's not been very public. And there are just a few articles about the murder to be found. And of course, this was during the beginning of COVID. So that story was probably on everyone's mind. And it's, it's it's just an unfortunate situation where, this particular murder did not have a lot of attention on it. And I've been talking to Troy's siblings, Tamara and Tehran, and Tehran agreed to talk about his perspective in the story since he definitely has a, unfortunately, unique perspective since he's the one who found his brother's body. And so this is Tehran's story.
0: It was a holiday and I was at a little get-together and next thing you know, I get a phone call from um two people that used to be around my brother all the time and they're with my brother like at least you know three or four times out of the week so I get a call from him saying have you heard from your brother and I was like I just talked to him the other night but that was the last time I talked to him but I called him a couple of days on his phone that day and uh, he wasn't answering and it was going straight to voicemail and everything so I said hmm, that's not it's not like him so when these two people would call me I rushed over there they, they said they were over at my brother's apartment which used to be my old apartment. I let my brother stay there and take it over. So this uh female friend of his, acquaintance, that called me and said that uh she was knocking on the door I and mean, you uh, know she heard his TV on, heard uh, you know, music playing and everything, but uh the screen door was locked, which is not normal. So I get over there and um we're both there and um a friend, another friend of my brother's, this guy was there. So they're there and I get there and I told him, I said, uh well the door is locked. So we're banging and banging and uh, no answer. So I asked him, I said, well, does anyone have like a screwdriver? Cause it's my old apartment and I know how to kind of pry it open. So I went to pry it open. And when I kicked the door in, next thing you know, was all you seen was my brother and he was slumped over on the couch and I'm needing blood just coming from everywhere from his mouth, nose, ears, eyes. And he had throw up all on his shirt as if he regurgitated or something. So I'm like, I'm panicking and I'm, Shaking him, and I mean, I could have picked him up with one hand. He was stiff like a mummy. So I said he had had to have been sitting there for a minute. So call nine one one right away, and they get there. Police get there, and um, they have us all get out of the the house and a corner of prayer come. So they rule it as if uh he had took something or uh, uh, uh had a bad reaction or something. I'm like, no, nah, it's no way. There's too much blood and everything, and you know. So so I call family members, my sister, my mom, everybody gets there and corners ruler is that so after that you know me and my mom and sister and everybody we kind of get ourselves together and we just get some of the stuff out of the apartment that was in there and everything at this point you know we're contaminating everything we're touching as many people in and out of the apartment right so a week or two goes by and my sister calls me like get over to your old apartment um the police and sheriff and everyone's around and we get over there and they have it taped off and everything now like as if it's a crime scene so i'm like this is weird. So uh. And saying, you know, uh, the detectives pulled me and my sister in the car, and they're like, we did the an autopsy, and we found a gunshot wounds to the back of his head. So I was like, okay, you know, with so much blood on him, I would have never known at the time, which was weird to me. But I knew it had to be like foul play involved. That was the whole topic. But the thing to me was that the two people that were there that called me at the time um, were always around my brother, and I, know I thought it was somebody fishy that they called me. And you come to find out this female companion, a friend of his so-called was uh, with him the day before, which is weird to me. And all of a sudden, you know, you call me. It was if to me, it was if they wanted me to come and find them. You know what I mean? And what I hear on this, you know, the streets talking from people that I know that were in circles with my brother and stuff come to tell me to find out that they believe that, um, the two people were in that house earlier. Something went wrong, and then they had the nerve to call me as if they were never in there. You unlocked the door. But someone had locked that door on the way out to make it seem like my brother had locked it, and he was in there, you know what I mean? And it had to be someone my brother knew because the bullets went back to the back of
1: the head, and no one's going to let anybody come over and stand over and shoot him in the back of the head, you know what I mean? And he hadn't been off the grid for very long when they called you to say, hey, I'm worried, because you said the day before you know you guys were so it's not like he was gone for weeks or something i'm like hey you better go over and check on him that's definitely very strange
0: yeah it was just the overnight thing
1: yeah have the investigator have you been like yeah. in touch with the detective have they been keeping oh, you in the loop No. On?
0: No. what's weird about the detective is my mom she works downtown she was working downtown in the prosecutor's office in different areas down there but she mm-hmm. retired now so she's been away and there was two detectives on this case the first detective he was keeping in good contact with us and everything. But he had got promoted and took over another woman who was missing Evansville named Donetta Wilkinson or something. It was all over Evansville. So he went to that case. So my brother, my brother's case got put to this other new detective. His last name is McCormick. So this McCormick guy, when it, when he first took over the case, was called us, kept in contact with us, said he was doing what he could, and he was still investigating. And yet on top of this, you know, my mom put out a $5,000 reward to anyone had any information so after that after a week or two went by it was dry no no contact from the detective nothing you know we hear nothing so we're thinking well man maybe it's a cold case not just last Friday when I got off work did this detective call me and say that the case was not closed he's still looking into it and he's trying to figure out some more information and he's got a new uh, type of, uh, Google, uh, research where you can go and look to see where my brother's phone was last recorded with shell towers and this and that. But the only reason he called me is because me and my sister had contacted, uh, a cousin of ours that is in, um, has a lot to do with like, uh, the downtown, uh, she's, she's like real known in politics and stuff. Mm-hmm. So she got a hold of the Billy Bowen, the police, um, captain in Evansville and told him, well, this detective is not getting a hold of, uh. A family member and they're, they're not knowing what's going on. And uh, it's, it's it's I don't know if it's a cold case or what's going on. So not just this Friday, he called me and contacted me and said that uh, he's going to be on vacation for a whole month this month. And when he does get back from vacation, he wants to set up a meeting with me, my sister, and my mom. I thought that was mighty odd for you just now to get back to us.
1: Yeah, the timing is definitely strange, but at least I guess it's a good thing that he's at least you know, putting more attention on it. Um, uh, well, right. Have, has he looked into the two? I mean, obviously I think they've looked into the suspects, the two people who, you know, you, you mentioned that were in the, I, I, they've all been kind of vetted by the detective. I'm assuming. At the beginning of it, he, he,
0: he was looking at the, the lady and the other guy more, more so the lady, because the lady was around him lot. Mm-hmm. And what's, what's bad about this whole situation. My mom, not knowing what's going on. The lady, Uh, was actually at the funeral and everything. And we thinking that she, we don't think she did it, but we believe that she knows more to the, to the story. You know what I mean? From what I'm hearing on the streets, uh, you know, I I can't prove anything, but from what I'm hearing on the streets is, and whoever did this, I'm pretty sure I know him too, because, you know, my brother felt and trusted this person, these people to come in his house for that to happen. So from what I heard was, three people in this home, you know, and it was an argument that pursued from what I'm hearing on the streets. And this other fella who I heard, who I know and I see still to this day, I've approached him a couple of times, but he claims he has nothing to do with it. But three or four people told me that he he was the shooter and he was the one in there. So, you know, I, I can't prove anything, say anything. And the detectives talked to this guy, too, because at the time, right after this happened, the guy was locked up. And the detective said he went to his one of his cells and talked to him. And the guy was just like, you know, fuck you. I, I don't want really to talk about it, this and that, and made it try to blow it off. So he didn't say he had nothing to do with it. He just blew it off as if he wasn't saying anything. You know what I mean? So I'm like, you know, it's it's just this is an ugly situation. But uh, you know, no one, I guess people are scared. No one wants to come, come and say anything with their reward, which I understand because the person, two or three of the people one of the main um, resources I had that told me all this information uh, is kin to to the girl that was there, and she came and told me what she had heard the girl over saying in her house one time. So you know that right there kind of had me like, well, she she might she might be onto something, and, and I've already. And then this guy and this guy who we believe has something to do with it a month prior to this had got into a physical altercation with my brother too. And there was a police report on this and everything. And I asked the detective, well, did you know this and this happened previous?" and he said, yeah, okay. and that nothing was ever charged. He was, you no, know, no one had, uh, he aggravated or assaulted my brother, but there was no charges brought up or anything. My brother didn't press charges. And it was another woman and guy in the house that he assaulted too. And no one pressed charges on him. So, you know, with that being said, nothing was ever done about it. So that was that too. Yeah, it's been, it's been a long, you know, I just wanted to have some kind of justice served or something. But, you know, with everything going on, you know, we just, it's just been a long battle. But, I mean, not only my brother, I know there's a lot of cases going on around here on side right now with, with all kind of, you know, murders going on and no one coming forward. So,
1: it's, there's definitely a lot of that. And, I mean, you know, you just got to focus on one at a time. And your brother's case, you know, there's just, there's so little out there about this. And I thought, yeah, maybe I could yeah, put some yeah. attention on it. Maybe, maybe somebody will hear this and be like, you know, what? maybe I'll come forward and say this one little, this one little piece. Maybe that'll break open the case because maybe that detective kind of agrees with you, but needs that one little tip or yeah. something to put him over that edge.
0: And another thing too, like you just said, wow. like I know a lot of these cases in Evansville, a lot of it was brought forward and broadcasted, but with my brother's situation, with them first pronouncing him, you know, just dying of like you know uh, a natural cause and this and that and then like two or three weeks later saying that it was a uh, you know a homicide it was never put in the paper it was never you know mentioned until like weeks later and it was already too late by then so you know it was kind of swept under the rug and the the only way people knew that my brother was murdered by word of mouth or by me mentioning it or you know something like that but they did put it on the news but when they put it on the news it was already like I want to say, like, weeks later.
1: Yeah, because I saw, I was reading, one of the articles said, you know, they didn't even report it for weeks. I guess that makes sense, because they didn't report it for weeks, but because it was reported as, I guess, like an OD or something like that. So then when they flipped it over to a murder, then it was just kind of like updating paperwork kind of a situation. That probably didn't help. Was your brother involved in any sort of groups that might does he? Did he have any enemies? I know he had this altercation with this guy a month earlier, but I mean, he seemed, from what I've read, he, like he was a pretty nice guy. And Nah, he, uh, he
0: was a pretty. Well, I put it like this: here's, here's the whole deal. My brother, he was a pretty nice guy. He was quiet. He 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 was the type of dude that wouldn't even harm a, a fly if the fly wanted him. You know what I mean? But what it was was he was involved with the wrong people, the wrong crowd, and my brother had let a, a lot of people take advantage of him. And I think he had a little drug problem going on too. So at the same time, I think these people that he was around were involved with drugs. And whoever this person was that shot him in might have been involved over, you know, drugs or something. Right. But, yet yeah, still, even though that's all involved, it doesn't give you the right to, you know, take someone's life like that. You know what I mean? No,
1: absolutely not. It doesn't make the person less any less valuable and, and meaningful to everyone else. So
0: Yeah, so.
1: And I think a lot of times those those cases get kind of brushed under the rug because they just, oh, it's a drug situation. And they, and they just kind of stop. And it's, it's not right.
0: right. Exactly. Exactly. That's that's exactly what I said. I I don't know. But yeah, my sister told me that you were uh, were doing these cases and had the podcast and different things going on. I think it's a pretty good, a good idea, man. At least someone out there, you know, is spreading the word and, you know, willing to, you know, put stuff out so people are, you know, informed about what's going on.
1: Well, I'm going to do my best to get the word out there and, you know, you never know where it might lead. So I appreciate you taking the time out to talk about your brother's case and Like I said, hopefully this helps make a difference and, you know, bring some closure to your family.
0: I got you. I got you. I truly appreciate you, man.
1: If you have information that you think may be useful to this case, call the Evansville Police Department at 812-436-4025. Or you can leave an anonymous tip at 800-78-CRIME. And Troy's family has put up that $5,000 reward for information leading to a successful prosecution in this case, so keep that in mind. I do have all these links and information on my show notes at rivercitymystery.com 13, so check that out. And thank you for joining me. Until next time, take care.